Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined here in the studio by Don Pizzette doing his best uh, Gordie Howe cosplay. How you doing? That's right. Yeah, I need to break my ankle and uh, get in a fight. So that, that's going to be later in the podcast. You want to stay tuned for that. You have way too many teeth, Don. Pulls my, yeah, pulls my shirt over my head to beat me. In, in addition to, do I get to break your ankle? Or? <laughs> well, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, can't do it yourself. Yeah. That's... Listen, I'm the only one who doesn't get violently ill when they hear bones breaking. So, <laughs> Have you tested this theory? Yeah, I'm, I'm I don't need you know. in my personal life, Don. I don't, have, I don't know my normal reaction to the sounds of bones breaking in front yeah. of me. Because it's it probably vomiting, actually. <laughs> we'll test it out. Well, that's Justin you're hearing there. And uh, we've accidentally put him in the same room this week as Daniel. How you doing, Daniel? Hey, what's up? So Horrible it's decision. A recipe for <laughs> yeah. disaster. This is probably going to get dumb. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we can get dumb. All right. And we uh, also are joined by a repeat guest, uh, someone we've talked to a couple times, not just uh, at some interviews we did way back when at Wild West Hackenfest, but also on a past episode of Technado. We have Corey Thune, who is the founder at Gravwell. Corey, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, and we're assuming based on the uh, the art behind you that you are joining us uh, from Idaho. That's uh, that is correct. It's not just the uh, you know just nice a fan. I, I thought he was going to say no. Fan. I'm in Switzerland. Idaho <laughs> yeah. is just my yeah. favorite well, state. No, this could be like you know those cybersecurity specialists where they take a picture and based on things in the background they figure out where you live. Like Peter, you've got a, an mm-hmm. unknown talent. Yeah. Actually, like yeah, all you're really see, good at that. I think I think Corey's uh, video feed might be messed up because all I see is guitar cases back there. So. <laughs> I see a guitar case that's, back there. All right, that's so what's important. So we figured it out. I mean, luckily the population of Idaho I don't think is that big, so we should. I think it's seven. Down. Is yeah. it seven? <laughs> yeah, one, one third uh, of the population well, be, is here now. <laughs> might be eight now. Yeah, there's a lot of wilderness there. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, it's quite smoky. Um, now as well, so <laughs> not advised. Yeah. It's to, just, uh, it, all seven of those moment. people are just smoking stogies. <laughs> this is right outside of Corey's house. I don't yeah. think that's that, what it's about. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> It'd be better than the forest being yeah. on fire. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll take true. that. Uh, well, uh, let's go ahead and get reacquainted with Corey in our first segment, Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Corey, this is a five-minute segment. you got 45 seconds to a minute to answer each question. If you go over that time, Peter's going to buzz you, and we're going to move on to the next question. Peter's going to take our first one. All right, so, uh, Corey, like I said, we met you, I, th- I think it was 2016 or 2017, back at Wild West Hackenfest, yeah. uh, and then we, we had you on um, to, to talk about some projects you were doing. But for those that, that aren't familiar with Gravwell, haven't heard of it before, why don't you give us the elevator pitch? Uh, Sure, absolutely. Uh, So uh, Gravwell, we built it because we had the problem that we need to solve. We needed uh, machine logs uh, and network data, including PCAP, all in one spot for searching and correlating and fusing and uh, powering our decisions uh, with the whole philosophy that data is better together, teams are better together. So if we can create a single spot for for being able to analyze all that, then we're going to make better decisions and accomplish the mission of the organization. So speaking of that, you know, I, I, I like putting a bunch of data together and, uh, you know, making misinformation about said data. But what are some interesting ways that people are using Gravwell? Uh, uh, that's been kind of the funnest part because um, uh, we've done everything from um, uh, sort of stunt analytics news type stuff where we've uh, done some cool stuff with like FCC comments, Reddit stuff, but I mean the the predominant use cases are cybersecurity, you know, uh, sort of the basic blocking, tackling, seeing who logs into what, where, um, troubleshooting network uh, usage, uh, monitoring critical infrastructure, making sure the lights come on. Um, but uh, we also have DevOps uses. Um, it's kind of somebody is using it to monitor their hydroponics operations. So. Uh, that's kind of the fun part about data is every use case is different and every organization is unique. Is is that hydroponics operation in Idaho? <laughs> it is not. No. It's like somebody has a basement. <laughs> uh, could I also use it to see what my kids are doing on my home network? Uh, that is also a common use case with our community edition. Absolutely. That's what I use it for. Uh, and much to my children's chagrin, they can't get away with the video game set. 
two in the morning like I used to when <laughs> I was their age. But all right. Well, last time that we had you on the podcast, I think we focused mostly on the SEC. You know, the the request for comments, or it wasn't the SEC. FCC sorry, FCC, FCC yeah. that was doing a request for comments on net neutrality, and you guys found some really interesting things in there. So uh, that that's in the past, uh, but it's been a while. So have you had any really cool use cases like that in the last year? Uh, I confess the last year has pretty much been about um, working with our customers and making them successful. So we haven't, because uh, some of that original early stuff was really when we were kind of taking our platform through its paces, making sure that it scaled correctly, sort of in the engineering heavy uh, days. And so we haven't done a lot of public research like that lately. Uh, although this being an election year, um, we've spun up our, you know, Reddit ingesters and, and, uh, um, Twitter and things. So we'll, we'll kind of do some more of that, which was a, a fun project that we did, um, I think about a year ago. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we're planning on doing a little bit more of that um, just to kind of see what shakes out or what's, you know, what's going around on the internet as, as we're heading into election season, for sure. Now, Corey, one thing that makes Gravwell different from its competitors is the pricing model. I was reading an article that you did uh, last year about Chromecast and how they were kind of going ballistic with some DNS querying and how, that could have gotten expensive really quickly and how Gravel was helpful for that. That being said, um, how is your pricing different than your competitor, competitors? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So um, in, in the Chromecast example specifically, if it, uh, you know, there's a lot of DNS stuff and in certain circumstances it can kind of blast. Um, but sort of with, uh, that was one of the original problems we had was, um, you know, a lot of the tools in this area price for every byte that you put in uh, you know, it's usually measured in gigabytes per day or whatever, but that just kind of doesn't work because uh, things are unexpected. And sometimes you want to, uh, you know, add information and, and put everything. And the fact of the matter is the more data you have, the more uh, and better answers you're going to get. Uh, so that was our whole thing was we wanted to make sure that it was always an unlimited uh, data when you, for people who purchase Gravwell. So um, we took an alternate approach where it's um, more about, you know, what does your infrastructure look like? It's a little bit more like VMware, right? Like VMware doesn't charge you for every virtual machine you put in or you run. Um, uh, they did it uh, based on your node cluster uh, size. So um, that that's how it works, uh, at least in managed infrastructure and on-prem, but then cloud is, of course, a different animal. So we, we have about 40 seconds left, so I'm, I'm going to let you bank this time and we'll put it to the next segment because I, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about that. But I do want to I did want to ask, I, I was kind of disappointed when you when you logged in. You, I saw some pictures on your LinkedIn where you had a really good quarantine beard going. And, and it's <laughs> I know. Down. What, what happened? I know it's terrible. Well, um, you know, uh, I live with people uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually the quarantine beard got to be a bit too much. Uh, and so cut it, cut it down, but you know, um, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. So well, I think for those that are watching the video, it's pretty obvious. Justin does not live with people. Yeah. Uh, but... uh, also I'm just trying to figure out how do you keep hot sauce from dripping onto your, your shirts now? That's why I keep my beard. Oh, that's why it's there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, it's important to save that for later. It's a built -in, I do think so. Built in napkin. That's a, yep. And yeah, if you, if you were missing hot sauce when you got a hamburger or something later, you just yeah, yeah. You, you just just make sure you got a little bit of juice and you can re-wet it out of your beard. <laughs> now, exactly. Now, now we've wasted that time that we banked. Life pro tip. <laughs> That's <laughs> not wasted. Yeah, I'm, that was a good I'm tip. Full of right, I'm about. full of them. I'm going to write a whole bunch of tips on having a like, big scraggly beard. Mayo's on the right, hot sauce yeah. is down the middle. Yeah. What do you need? <laughs> There yeah. you go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our next segment because we've got uh, the reason we have Corey here today is we've got some some news to talk about, some new tech from them uh, in our segment, New Tech This Week. New Tech This Week. We got the scoop. That's what I just said. All right. Uh, so the new tech is your, what is this, version four of Gravwell? Yep. Yep. So, so uh, what's, what's new in version four? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is probably our most exciting release to date. Uh, so version four in Gravel, we're calling it the Big Bang release, because uh, in some ways this is a bit of a uh, a beginning for, uh, or sort of a newer beginning for us um, as a whole. So, um, so we've already kind of briefly talked about what the idea behind uh, Gravel is. It's sort of in, um, it's in the data analytics space. Um, a little different than your sort of traditional sims in that uh, when we say data agnostic, we really mean it because the data is an ingest first, ask questions later type of a thing. So if we, if you come up with some, you know, super cool 
uh, algorithm or some type of detection or IOCs, you can go back in time and replay those on your uh, older data search back and um, and you didn't necessarily have to know the format of the data before you started ingesting it. Uh, and so that's what enables us to take in like uh, PCAPs uh, at scale, uh, NetFlow data alongside your traditional logs uh, and that type of stuff. And so that's kind of been our bread and butter. Again, like the FCC comment stuff was proving this out. Uh, we've done some really interesting experiments where uh, we search video uh, and, uh, and do things like correlate with uh, badge swipes. So I come from a DOE background and piggybacking into secure facilities was a concern. So the, the idea that you can take the video into Gravwell and the system logs from the badge system and kind of be like how many faces were on the camera at the time of the badge swipe to just be uh, sort of a basic correlation, like do we potentially have a piggybacking type situation, um, which is uh, kind of all about taking those different data sources, putting them together, get answers out. Um, but uh, up until sort of this release, the primary way that people would use Gravel is through the query syntax, uh, which uh, is a lot like the Linux command line where you take modules, uh, kind of pipe one module into a, another one to build up your pipeline. And then in the end, the results come out uh, for how you're writing these queries. It's not, not really like a, an SQL, but more like you're building a, a pipeline. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that um, like junior analysts uh, and not every organization has the type of people who can sort of do that. So uh, this, with this release, we have a lot more sort of out of the box type stuff. Um, this is where we have our kits, uh, which is similar to like apps uh, and something like Splunk uh, or, or other tools where you've got sort of a pre-built set of searches, dashboards, et cetera, for a given use case. Um, so like uh, we, we've got a NetFlow kit, uh, just as an example, um, there's a video on our website that where I literally walk through having nothing set up to uh, full dashboards and analytics on NetFlow data in less than 10 minutes, uh, installing Gravwell onto a blank uh, system. Now, um, I've been using Gravel off and on since since I met you three years ago, uh, you know, early days of your company. And I'll tell you, the, those kits were really what blew me away about the 4.0 release. And it was where when I was reading your press release, I was like, oh, we got to get Corey back on to talk about that. Because in the early days, you had these great ingesters. You could get all this great data in there, and then you were kind of thrown to the wolves. You had to create <laughs> queries and charts and, and whatever to make <laughs> it usable data. And so to have that can just ready to go is a really awesome thing. And you guys have added a bunch of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're right. Throne of the Wolves is is uh, not uh, an inaccurate term, but probably not something our marketing department. <laughs> that's not the slogan of using. But but you're not wrong, uh, right? You're not wrong. Like uh, if people, but that's the power of the tool. People who like the query syntax love it, right? Because you can you can basically sculpt with your data. Was how one of our customers put it. They feel like they're able to manipulate, move it around, answer all the questions that they want. But but, but you're right, um, that's kind of, if that's not your jam or you're kind of looking for quick answers for a common data source, that kind of sucks. Uh, and so that's why kits uh, and these pre-builds and, and act, um, what we call actionables, but being able to a lot more rapidly click around the interface to navigate your data is just such a tremendous improvement um, for people who don't enjoy or, or uh, want to be doing things with a query base. You mean quitters. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, sure, sure. We can say that. <laughs> Quitters or people who are really focused on the mission and not necessarily. Oh, uh, oh see, I, I, I uh, tossed you a softball and you, you took it for a home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I will confess, like, as a, I mean, again, I'm a technical founder. This was a problem that we had. Uh, I, I did, you know, this is kind of one of our things is we did overestimate the number of uh, people who. Uh, who could get in there and, and kind of crank out these queries because it does take a lot of uh, cybersecurity background. You have to see a lot of different stuff. Like regex is by themselves, right? Like regular expressions, the, what's the common quote? Uh, I have a problem, you think I know, I'll use regular expressions. Now you have two problems yep. because yep. they suck. Uh, and so <laughs> uh, so there's a certain amount of, yeah, if we can sort of remove some of that pain, do some of these pre-builds, then people are just going to do better. Uh, and that's the, what we're excited uh, about. I love the Oh Really book that is uh, Googling for the regex every damn time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Corey, is, it, is this something that's out in the uh, the community edition as well, or is this just in the like the enterprise version? Oh, yep, absolutely. So we do have a community edition. It is, um, it is free for home lab use. Uh, you can ingest up to two gigabytes a day uh, worth of data, but we all, we kind of have an ongoing... Um, if you do a little feedback survey with us, we'll bump that up to four. 
uh, no problem. So if you're doing some stuff at home, uh, like you, like you said, kind of earlier, you know, you want to monitor your home network, see what kind of flows are going on, uh, check the firewall logs, check the system logs. This is perfect for that. Well, so I, you can. I should clarify when Justin said his kids, he was referring to his marijuana plants. That's what he called. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm about to get oh, raided okay. by DEA. So he wants to keep an eye on what his kids yeah. are up to. Are I'm like, yeah, it's play? absolutely great for that. And <laughs> in fact, one of our kits that we have, well, it depends on, you know, your operation. If it's indoor, then maybe this doesn't matter, but uh, you can get the weather right there in Gravwell. And you, so you could correlate and see how well your yield yeah. is compared to the humidity uh, factors like that. That's I all can, I can correlate how the FLIR cameras are going to light up my house at night, yeah. depending on on the really yeah, exactly. It would be awesome Find if the what DEA is using this yeah. technology to also correlate their information on Justin. Yeah, well, there you they're go. like, we got Gravwell for Justin. Four gigabytes a day. Got him. <laughs> now, There's I, another Justin Dennison, so it's not me. I do want to mention uh, a little something. I know sometimes we have an interview about a product like this. It can maybe sound like an advertisement or something, but we, we have not been paid by Gravwell at all. But it is well, why, a product. Why haven't we? <laughs> well, it is it is a product that I love. Uh, I've actually used it for quite a few odds and ends over the years. Uh, so examples of ways that I've used it, not for a grow house, but uh, uh, I've used it to harvest egress data to identify anomalies so that I could see if data is being exfiltrated. I've used it to analyze denial of service traffic to be able to recognize a pattern to help with filtering on firewalls. Uh, I've used it for a lot of odds and ends, even simple things like just aggregating log data, using it as like a centralized location for syslogs, which is not really what it's intended for, but it does a good job at. So uh, it's a really powerful program. The community edition is free. Jump over, download it, check it out. The biggest benefit it has is something that, uh, that, that Corey hasn't mentioned, in, in my opinion. Uh, similar products like this, like if you want to stand up an elk stack, it takes forever, and it takes a lot of different components. But with with Gravwell, I mean, it, they've got a, a Docker container. You can have it up and running mm -hmm. in a matter of minutes and be ingesting data before you know it. So it's just a really mm -hmm. awesome product all in all. But, but Don, how else am I going to spend the next three days <laughs> setting up my Elasticast server, my Logstash, and my Kibana dashboard? I mean, listen, <laughs> what am I going to do with that kind of time? I know. Uh, apparently, yeah, right. operate a grow house. Yeah. <laughs> Just so we're clear, I feel compelled. I don't grow marijuana. <laughs> yeah, but it was funny because Don was like, I don't use it for a grow house. I knew he was going to be like, but my methamphetamine operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's pure white China. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a, I appreciate those those words because it's, it's always great to hear how people are, are using the tool. Um, and, uh, and And that's you know, that's right in line with what we did intend it for. Um, I, I think your syslog example is is actually uh, in line with, with what we're looking for in that uh, it is a place for you to push your stuff. Um, we did build the whole tech stack. We own the whole thing top to bottom. It's custom built time series database in Go. We looked at a couple open source ones early on in the day, like um, InfluxDB, and they didn't quite do what we needed them to do for this. Uh, so we really did have to build the whole thing out from scratch, which was rough, um, but... Uh, but, you know, here we are years later and the performance is fantastic. Um, it, it holds its own. Uh, we actually have a blog post in a performance comparison with Elk, which isn't quite fair because really they are different tools uh, built for different purposes. Uh, but a lot of people use Elk for log storage. So we did that. Um, and and the, the tool does really well for for that purpose because uh, it was, you know, it was custom built to do that, to take uh, time series log data, network data. And be able to uh, to do the interesting analytics on it uh, all all over time. Which, when you're dealing with security, user behavior analytics, all that stuff, that's how everything is. Um, you you know, it's not it's not like I store this record in a database and then I just need that back. So uh, since it's not that simple. Since it's built in Go, I'm guessing that's pretty. Uh, like if Peter wanted to run it on his MacBook, I wanted to run it on my Linux server at the house, and you know, somebody who has a Windows machine, I don't know anybody. Um, uh, other than Don, they wanted to run it there. I guess, I mean, I don't really have to worry about that. It's, uh, do you support all those platforms or? Uh, we do require the Linux kernel, uh, just for performance reasons. Um, so, so that is a limitation. Uh, but like any, we have Debian packages, we have Red Hat packages, RPMs, we have a Docker container. Um, so if you, you, it's as simple as apt install Gravwell. Okay. Um, set up the repo and then, yeah, you're done. It, it installs and, and gets run up, especially if you're just doing a single node, like simple setup, um, you're golden. And then it scales out to, um, I mean, our largest customer is doing 100 terabytes a day worth of stuff. Uh, so it can get uh, quite large um, and, and the performance is fantastic the whole way up. 
That's one heck of a grow house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, it's somebody who just has a bunch of children watching TikTok. <laughs> Somewhere in central yeah. Mexico. Yeah, there's all that spy data that's got to get collected. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah he's like, got to do it. He's like, listen, if they're collecting it, we might as well have a copy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> makes sense so if people want to go ahead and, and check out that community edition or or even the enterprise level where, where should they go yeah for for community edition um you can go to uh well our website is grabwell.io uh and the community edition is available there um that's the free version that you can download use forever um but it does have a data limit on it uh, if you're interested in trying it uh you know for for business reasons commercial reasons um we have a free trial uh that gets set up there uh, as well. So uh, plenty of ways to kind of download and start playing with it. And um, yes, get get answers out of your data, see what's going on. Uh, I will, fair warning though, uh, if you have the ability to see things, it kind of turns you a little bit paranoid. Um, because you, <laughs> Lucky you wonder you, why is this paranoid. communicating out here? Yeah, so... <laughs> Not good in Justin's line of business. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all wicked paranoid. It's not. I'm just paranoid in general. Working here has actually made me more paranoid anyway. So well, I just I just figured that everybody's out to get me. I mean, Daniel told me today how he can hack into my camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. bro, we did that like three years ago. I know, but he's got proof of concept now. So. By by the way, you should probably stop soaring your money there. Oh, good to know. Good, good to, to know. know. Uh, all right. So, uh, anything else going on with you guys in terms of events? I mean, you guys have probably been pretty busy with this uh, version four announcement. But didn't you just have a virtual event or something? Uh, yeah, we've done. We did some stuff for the virtual hacker summer camp um, and some webinars and things. I mean, everybody's trying uh, in the remote sense. Um, what we've been, um, we put out a fair amount of uh, content. We've got a, I've got a blog series going right now where I walk through Sysmon. So if if you're curious about that, uh, that could be something to check out our blog on the website, because um, I'm walking through each and every Sysmon event, um, talking about uh, where it's useful in a threat hunting perspective. Um, and if you're unfamiliar, Sysmon is a Microsoft uh, endpoint uh, tool that gives you really good logging, um, DNS, DNS logging, process creation, um, all the really interesting stuff that is otherwise usually pretty tough to get uh, is there, uh, and it's free. Um, and so we've got that series going on. We've got a couple other ones. Um, Core DNS is a post that we put out right now. We try and make our blog uh, about the uh, data sources and the benefits that you can get by analyzing them and not so much like, you know, look how great Gravel is or whatever. So even if you don't use our tool, these blog posts are still, uh, I think they have useful information. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to go back and read that blog post about the uh, uh, the FCC comments or listen to our interview that we did uh, about that, you can search for, for that old episode. And, and I'll be curious, uh, hopefully we can get you back on maybe in the new year after uh, the election. We can kind of see, you know, depending on who wins, Russia or China, we can find out uh, <laughs> how, how they went about winning. I think they're going to divvy up. I think it's like West Coast, East Coast at this like, point. Yeah, build a wall. How, down how did the they city. do it in Red Dawn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't get that far in the uh, mission. Wolverines. Yeah, yeah it, it's it that that part's been pretty interesting. I've learned some interesting things about applicability of machine learning uh, in, when it comes to you know sentiment analysis and stuff like that, um, where where it does really well and where it kind of falls on its face, um, uh, which is has been interesting. And of course, um, has uh, applicable. Uh, when you start talking about system logs and things and where we can try and apply machine learning because you know as much as everybody likes to say that that's the thing that they do most people aren't really doing the basics uh let alone trying to get into crazy uh, ai type stuff but it, i mean it's all it's all super interesting regardless so yeah well definitely reach out to us when when that's available because we'd love to to chat more about that but uh of course thank you so much uh, again for taking the time to be on the show again yeah absolutely thanks uh, thanks for having me all right, everybody, stay tuned. We've got a little bit more Technado coming up right after this quick break. Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Dom Pazette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. 
All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pizzette. Thank you so much to Corey for joining us and giving us that tour of version 4. So make sure to check that out and look forward to having him on again in the future. But we have a lot of news to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right in today. Our first article is from TomsHardware.com. NVIDIA announces ARM acquisition for $40 billion. And this, this is a, a big deal because we've been talking a lot about ARM in the last year and Boy, I didn't realize NVIDIA had $40 million sitting around to do this. Well, you know, t technically they didn't. Uh, this is one like of those where it's like stocks yeah. and other things. But I, I think there was something like $24 billion in cash. So th there was a lot of actual money trading hands. Uh, the interesting part here is that SoftBank, the previous owner of ARM, had acquired it for about $34 billion previously. And it was supposed to be the linchpin of their fund. But they've made so many bad decisions with other investments like WeWork that uh, <laughs> that they just needed to get some cash back in. So they sold off ARM, and NVIDIA is the, uh, the acquirer, I guess, uh, which is really cool because they have been doing some neat system-on-a-chip stuff. You know, they have their NVIDIA Shield appliance and, and things like that. So we'll be able to see some really cool things come out of NVIDIA. And their CEO recently announced that they might start doing NVIDIA-branded processors. You know, a lot of people think of the processor in the iPhone as being an ARM processor, but it really isn't. It's an Apple processor that's using the ARM instruction set. But now with NVIDIA being the owner and they manufacture chips, they could actually start creating actual ARM-branded chips that uh, get, get used in systems. I, I think we'll see that in the next few years. Yeah, it says uh, $21.5 billion in NVIDIA stock and $12 billion in cash. And then there's a couple of, you know, the earn-out uh, things that they could make more i guess with the additional five billion and stuff like that so. and some faberge eggs <laughs> yeah, yeah, would you exactly. would you for 10 billion would you give them your left arm or your non-dominant arm yes 10 billion yes yes no, there's no flipping way no <laughs> no way what y you know how many new arms and cool like <laughs> arm <laughs> don't care <laughs> i like mine <laughs> <laughs> i'm just baffled by that, that you, you're baffled dollars. by that <laughs> 10 yeah. billion dollars yeah yeah, I'm good. So for some reason, when you read that article, so I read the article and I was like, oh, yeah, that's because all I can think of is like some of the new supercomputers we've been reading about that are using ARM architecture processors along with the like NVIDIA, like titanium GPUs and things. But then when you read it, I was like, oh, they, they sold an ARM. Man, an ARM for $40 billion? What about below the elbow, Daniel? <laughs> None. <laughs> Listen, unless we're not, unless we're talking about shaving quarters of an inch off of any fleshly part of my body <laughs> there is no money you could have luke skywalker's hand i'm just saying but i can't because it doesn't exist <laughs> is a good i want ash's hand for ten billion dollars you ash's hand for people i'm trying to kill people you can't just sew a chainsaw on there no like ash, so. no i want the one from army of darkness when they make it out yeah of the, the uh the metal hand. Yeah, where he's all like crushing things. But the only problem now, it would have a big NVIDIA uh, logo. Listen, they the can lo they give me $10 billion and I got a metal hand, they logo it up. All it's right. a cool I, logo. I think Daniel sold me on his side this time because all of these examples come from movies and not real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I Until that tech exists. Where's your suspension of disbelief? So yeah. Come I on. I don't like this. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we don't know much about what, what's going to happen yet, and there's speculation, but I guess we'll wait and see uh, how NVIDIA uh, either rolls them in or keeps them separate or, or that kind of thing. Yeah, the nice thing here is we need to remember that NVIDIA is a fairly neutral company, right? They're not tied to Intel. They're not tied to Apple. They're, they're kind of their own thing versus, you know, they do mostly graphics cards, which now GPUs are used heavily in AI machine learning, too, so they're, they're kind of a multi-purpose company. But if you look at their competitor, AMD, well, or what used to be ATI, right? So ATI Graphics is owned by AMD. Obviously, they're going to focus on AMD CPUs. Well, now NVIDIA can start manufacturing their CPUs, but it's the ARM platform, which is also fairly neutral. So it'll be interesting to see the way this shakes out. Don, what does this mean for me? Like, it's like, I don't care what processor, honestly, is inside of my devices. That's not my thing. I just don't care. So what does it mean for me as a consumer that this is happening? So it means that an American company now owns ARM, even though it's UK-based, and they said they're going to leave it in the UK. So that's one piece of it. It's now an American company. Uh, the second thing is you've got a company that can make a full system on a chip. So expect to start seeing NVIDIA in your cell phone and other things. And that means that you'll get better graphics performance because they are a graphics-focused company right now. But I think where the biggest difference is going to be is not with the regular consumer, 
but is going to be with people that do AI, you know, the machine learning workloads that are out there in the cloud. We're going to start seeing a lot more of that deployed in AWS and other places. All right, our next article is from TheVerge.com. Yubico's new USB-C security key with NFC could be the one key to unlock them all. It's available today for $55, and that's not a paid promotion <laughs> as well, but that's the sub-headline. So, uh, Don, I know you're a huge fan of these, but I, I'm even looking at the photo they have here, and they've got it sitting in a MacBook, uh, which would work, but then it's sitting on an iPhone, which, unless you're in Europe, that's not going to work, right? Well, no, they've actually opened up to be able to work here in the United States as well. But that's USB-C. Oh, so so here's the thing. Uh, the YubiKey is like the one, the one I've got here, and, and I'll just... For those of you who are watching, I can hold mine up. I've got one. So it's a regular USB. Um, so this is regular USB, right? So if you're on a Mac that just has USB-C ports, that's a problem, mm -hmm. right? Uh, last year, YubiKey, or Yubico released a YubiKey that had USB on one side and Lightning on the other to be able to plug into a phone. But then they also had NFC. And for a long time, Apple was locking down NFC functionality on the iPhone so you couldn't use it. Yubico worked with Apple to be able to get that functionality enabled so it does work now. And this newest version of their key replaces the old style USB connector with the new style USB-C. So it's got USB-C and NFC baked into it. And so in theory, this is finally the one key that will work with Windows, Mac OS, iOS, Android. You know, before you kind of had to buy the right key for the mixture of devices you used. And if you were somebody like me who uses all of those devices, there really was no one key that worked everywhere. So now we have that, and you can still get a USB-C to the regular USB port uh, adapter, and it'll work just fine through the adapter. So you can now kind of cover all your devices. Wow. That's pretty nice. They saw that their market was like, hey, I want all the things. They said, oh, yeah, okay, we'll give it to you. And it's not <laughs> cost prohibitive. I mean, 55 bucks yeah. for the grand scheme of yeah. things is not that much money. Well, well I, I, want, I want that boggle thing, though, where I can... <laughs> Make all my own path the random cubes that you have yeah. to save. Does this do that? Yeah. No. Well, it, I mean, technically, you can generate your key right there on the YubiKey. And I, I've used it. I, its intention, its main intention, I guess, is for authenticating you uh, on websites and other places. But you can store your GPG key there and use it for encrypting email. And when you want to decrypt data, you just have to plug your key in to retrieve the key. You can store your SSH keys on it. You, you could do all sorts of things with it. Well, so far, I mean, you're the only person I know that has one, but that has probably been because of some of the hurdles like this. So uh, I will be curious to see, uh, you know, Daniel, Justin, either of you guys maybe considering it now? I mean, they're, they're cool tools. I mean, uh, they're cheap enough. They're pretty sturdy from what I understand. So if you want something that's super secure and it's going to be a really good solution for that, yeah, I would go for that. I mean, you Don's paying. Well, so, <laughs> I'll tell you, they're inexpensive and they're not hard to use. And for somebody like me, all right, so I'm I'm not a celebrity, right? But I I play I am, one on TV. <laughs> I, I, I do have videos on YouTube. People find me. You know, we have uh, through the training I do at IT Pro TV. People will see me there. So there are a lot of people that know me that I don't know them. And so things like my Gmail account, my uh, my Microsoft, my Office 365 account, things like that, they get targeted. People try and get into those all the time. So you want to have a second factor of authentication and text uh, authentication or the little number generators, those work. But a physical key like this is one of the best ways to prove that you are who you say you are. And it's super easy to set up. And so when I, whenever I log in with my Gmail account, I have to plug in the key and touch the little button and that's it. You know, it's, it, it's a simple thing to do. So I, I encourage everybody, if you're not using uh, something like this, you really should look into it. And Yubico, I, I like them. They're inexpensive. They, they make a really good product. Uh, Google has something similar with their Titan key. And there's tons of third parties out there that make them. Uh, they all work really well. So you should certainly look into it. Now screw them, baby. It's YubiKey all the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember we talked about that Google one when it came out. And, and uh, we were like, that's dumb. Yeah, we were, we were pro <laughs> there, YubiKey. There then. was an issue for one of their Titan key versions, right? Where Bluetooth. there was a security issue? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yubico doesn't do Bluetooth, and they've said for a long time that it wasn't secure enough. And Google did Bluetooth, and then they had a problem within the first year. Maybe maybe YubiKey paid Google. Maybe <laughs> Google should have watched Technado, and we would have let them know. They would have known. That was a bad idea. Yeah. All right, well, cool. We'll, uh, we'll see if anyone actually follows through and, and picks that one up. Are you, are you going to get the new one? Yeah, I am. Cool. Can I have your old one? <laughs> Um, no, uh, because I don't know how to properly recycle one aside from destroying just it a hammer. in some way. <laughs> like, but, what's uh, Don doing in the parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just been backing, backing up, up and going forward for like an hour. 
All right, good stuff. Well, we can find out how durable uh, yeah. the YubiKey is as well. We can maybe <laughs> use that as a as a way to phase out your old one. Don's got his Nissan Leaf doing burnouts on top of the old YubiKey. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Redefining e-waste. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this next article is from the BBC at bbc.com. Microsoft's underwater data center resurfaces after two years, and that's a shame. It had a huge beard. Did they not tie it down? in the woods. You know, <laughs> I thought the same thing when I read the headline. I was like, "Oh, did something happen? Did it break loose and it floated up or whatever?" But no, it it's was been living on bear scat. It's, it's like <laughs> this is the 21st century message in a bottle. If it's a whole data center that just comes up on shore. So this was the plan to just put it down there as an experiment, then bring it back up and see see yeah. how it worked. So we we actually reported on this two years ago when Microsoft sank this data center. And when I say data center, it's a long metallic tube, and they put about 800 servers inside of it and then sank it to the bottom of the ocean. And the primary goal was to be able to leverage the cooling power of the bottom of the ocean. Like these servers could be cooled for zero energy. So a zero footprint data center, aside from the electricity that obviously has to be pumped into it to power it, right? Uh, and they were testing out, like, is this possible? Can it can it last for two years? What's the failure rate going to be like of the equipment? Because you can't get down there to repair it very easily, right? So they were testing all of this stuff out and it was a huge success. The machine stayed nice and cool. They did have a failure rate, but the failure rate was about one-eighth of what their failure rate is in a normal data center. So that means that while servers did fail and they couldn't repair them, far less of them failed than normal. So it was a, a good success there. Uh, they're kind of crediting that to a few things. So one thing is they didn't put oxygen in the tube. It was full of nitrogen instead. So humidity was not a problem, and the devices wouldn't corrode, so that made them more durable. Um, the second thing they credit it to is not having humans in there. That apparently a lot of the failures that they track are actually due to humans jostling things around, and that leads to the failure. So not only was it more efficient, it was more reliable. So I, I think we'll see more underwater data centers like this. So you don't think if, if they went larger scale on this, it would be something where humans did have access to it because because of those those things that you're mentioning about oxygen and... Yeah. Humans. So what they would do is, you know, they might sink a hundred of these tubes and that's, that's their new data center. And then when one reached a failure rate high enough, you know, like maybe when 25% of the servers in it fail or whatever, then they would retrieve that one tube to the surface to do work and maintenance on it. But otherwise they would just leave it down there. And if a server fails, they just block it off and that's that. <laughs> For some reason, I just imagine data center workers, you ever run through like grocery style store aisles and you just like run your hand along like bottles and things <laughs> and you just rake it across them. Uh -huh. For some reason, I just imagine them going, oh, these servers are down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's well, the uh, the picture in this article of, of them pressure washing this thing after two years, the amount of stuff, I mean, like, like barnacles, barnacles yeah. yeah, that is amazing. It's whale feces. Uh, it's whale feces. <laughs> the amount of Actually, it was swallowed by a whale, and they had to retrieve it. Yeah, <laughs> it was the great white whale. They hired this guy named Ahab. Yeah, Where he was got this? it, though. It was in... Uh, it was off of Norway. They paid him $10 billion and he lost oh, it. Off, off of Scotland, actually. Uh, yeah. Now, I was curious, like, if they're sinking data centers like this, how well can they monitor activity around it? So, like, let's say, uh, I don't know, the Chinese or us, you know, the U.S., whatever, goes over there and just snags one of the one of the tubes. It's not at the bottom of the ocean, but everybody can get down there, right? So somebody could steal the entire data center and you couldn't stop them. James Cameron. Yeah. Sounds it. like the new Die Hard movie. Well, <laughs> even the front of this thing, I mean, to be able to withstand the uh, the pressure down there, I guess. I mean, there's like 50, 60 bolts on the front of this thing. So, uh, yeah. That it, was it totally would... aesthetic. They only needed three of them. But How they were they... like less. <laughs> How did they power it, Don? Uh, you know, I believe it was a cable. Uh, really? They, because at first I was thinking they were going to do self-contained energy, but I'm pretty sure there was a power cable run to this one. It's funny when I was, I remember I was like a kid or something, and there was this guy in Florida who had developed these uh, generators that ran off of the current of the ocean, oh, like the waves, right? So I was like, yeah. you'd have this whole water solution based off of for data centers where you have a generator that floats on top of the ocean, you got a data center at the bottom of the ocean, and well, the North That'd Sea over there, cool. I mean, this is an area where they have, I know, a lot of offshore wind farms, and I, I think some of those that are based on the, the tides and things as well. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. that'd be cool if you kind of 
put those together and say right. we're going to drop these here and boom uh, under this spot where we're already bringing people out you know for maintenance and what, what they don't tell you is the thing you see in the photo is the giant fission reactor that powered <laughs> uh, the two <laughs> servers that were in it it's a pebble so. bed reactor <laughs> <laughs> there was a power cable run to it so you know a, a big cable because they had to have networking as well so oh, yeah, yeah. And remote access so, so that was all run down as a bundle so satellite um, doesn't work under there right <laughs> okay all the power was generated by solar and wind though so okay. it was completely green uh, and it was interesting. They said uh, by having nitrogen in the air instead of oxygen, they're able to study whether the cables were creating gas out. So like cables can actually give off their own gases. And they were able to track that by measuring the difference in the purity of the air. Well, it was a nice little science experiment. Wasn't I know. It? Well, That's pretty cool. damned. All right. Very cool. Well, we'll uh, be curious to see if they drop a bunch more of those down in the ocean or if anybody else. I wonder if, if you know, Google or yeah, if it's the proven. other folks are, are following suit there. All right, our next article is from theregister.com. Gartner on cloud contenders. AWS fails to lower or fails to lower its prices. Microsoft cannot guarantee capacity. Google has devastating network outages. So take your uh, pick, folks. <laughs> Latest magic. Jeez, uh, oh, bifurcation has some strong caveats, but little is likely to change. So yeah. what do we go with? Uh, Rackspace at this point? All right. So, you know, Gartner Group, they do a lot of research and they do research so you don't have to. And then they charge a lot of money for access to the research. Uh, but they're kind of known for putting out these things called the magic quadrant. And the magic quadrant is supposed to help you select what vendors you deal with. So if I'm picking from, uh, from cloud vendors, yeah, I've got AWS, Google Cloud, uh, Microsoft Azure, Rackspace, uh, DigitalOcean. You've got all these different companies to pick from. Which one's the best, right? And so they rank them on all sorts of different categories. And in this case, it's based on uh, their completeness of vision. So how, how, uh, uh, how many solutions are basically trying to bake in and their ability to execute. So can they actually make their vision happen? And AWS is, is top ranked, right? So they're saying that of the cloud vendors, AWS is the best, but none of them are without flaws. And it's a little bit sensationalized, uh, you know, that uh, Microsoft cannot guarantee capacity. Well, nobody can guarantee capacity. Nobody has an infinite amount of hardware, but they're saying that Microsoft is running a little bit closer to the line of full capacity than the other vendors are. They say that AWS hasn't lowered prices in a while. They used to do that really aggressively. AWS wanted to be the number one cloud provider always, and now they're kind of solid in that place. So they haven't been lowering prices. And then Google, they say, has devastating network outages. Well, Google did have some big network outages just in the last year, but that's not unheard of. Azure had some huge network outages earlier on in their company, so uh, or earlier on in AWS's rollout. Shoot, Azure's rollout. See, I'm mixing them up. Darn it. So yeah, can you say that all over again? Because I, I, yeah, I missed that now. <laughs> so the point is, all three providers are really good, but AWS is currently the market leader, and so we've known that it's been that way for years, and now it's just kind of reaffirmed. But only one works underwater. <laughs> As far as I know, that we know yeah. I, I think, uh, but <laughs> AWS owns all the water. I yeah, think, that's so. true. And that's they can true. get the water to you in two days or less. Yep, that's yeah. right. They're if, dropping this. If in you the want, they'll pour water in their data center for you. Yep, and you're good for enough money. Yeah, <laughs> they will do anything. So chop your leg off and throw some water in there. Yep. So, so end of the day, it sounds like basically they've all got problems. None of them, none of them are perfect, but uh, I mean they're still pretty good, huh? Yeah, and honestly, I've got. What is it? I've got 99 problems, and my cloud provider isn't one of them. I'll tell you, AWS <laughs> is, like, ridiculously cheap, so I'm not surprised that they're not lowering any prices. I mean, yeah. just as a home consumer that spins up an EC2 instance here and there and, and runs stuff and tests things, it's not outside of my ability to pay for it, so good for them. Yeah, yeah. and when you're the market leader, why, why would you? Yeah. And so just for the listeners out there, number one is AWS, number two is Microsoft Azure, number three is Google Cloud. After that, we drop into one of the lower quadrants, which is generally not where you want to be. And that's where they have Alibaba Cloud, Oracle, IBM, and Tencent Cloud. Alibaba is amazing, right? Uh, Alibaba <laughs> and Tencent are both uh, Chinese providers. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah you got to. Amazing. That. You didn't let me finish. Amazingly bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even heard of Tencent. I, I had not heard of that one there. Uh, you know, I didn't know they were start. a cloud provider, but they I got their start like this with giant government things. conglomerate that poses a corporation, aren't they? Well, yeah, exactly. technically any company in China is. Well, no, right? like this one's like, oh, yeah, it's a company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the virtual wink for our listeners yeah. out there. Yeah. Just, Justin's for, winking. For, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was waiting on those? Peter to describe it. I thought he dropped the ball. I, I thought you had something the, on the pad. The yeah. 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 He was ignoring I'm you. I'm not going to talk like about He was allergies. looking for like a flying fairy. Just like, be-li-li. Yeah. But think. 
All right. Well, uh, <laughs> use <laughs> that info as you uh, make your, your cloud choices there. All right. Our next article is from ThreatPost.com. WordPress plugin flaw allows attackers to forge emails. The high severity flaw in the email subscribers and newsletters plugin by Icegram affects more than 100,000 WordPress websites. So don't they do some uh, vetting of these plugins before they uh, they make it out there for people? No, to no, not at all. <laughs> that, that's the problem. So like um. when you go to the WordPress.org website and you search through the plugins, there is zero vetting that happens on those. And a lot of the security exploits you hear around WordPress are tied to these plugins. So with every plugin you install, you are increasing your attack surface. And this one, they said it had over 100,000 installs, so it's pretty bad. Uh, or it sounds bad. Daniel, is this one we need to worry about? Uh, I mean, when it comes to email, if I can forge emails, then I can start doing impersonation attacks and things of that nature. So, yeah, it's probably important for you to know whether or not someone can impersonate you by using your email or creating an email that looks like it came from you and then you know getting money or whatever that's probably what's going to happen a lot of times it's just i'm going to use that to steal money because that's what bad people do nowadays and the internet seems to be the soup du jour of the day so yeah i would be i would definitely update my wp scan tool to make sure that if i had that running i would scan for it find it and then i, I didn't remember to see if there was a patch for it or not uh, yet or just uninstall that plugin Oddly enough, the plugin was called iForge Emails. <laughs> uh, it says Truth to fix the flaw, users must upgrade to WordPress email subscribers and newsletters plugin uh, by Icegram version 4.5.6 or higher. So uh, they have fixed it, but you know you probably have a lot of people that are just running whatever version they're running. And if you've ever tried to update a WordPress server. <laughs> Man, like you get it running, you're like, no one can don't, don't touch it. it. <laughs> yeah. You no know what? Seal this it. server, put yeah. it underwater. And we'll put it yeah. to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch. Keep <laughs> the sharks back. Because WordPress is you tough. Update it. It's all. There's like an 85 percent chance stuff's going to break. Yeah, and that's because of the way all these pieces fit together, right? So there's WordPress itself that you can have problems with. There's plugins that you can have a problem with. And then the themes. The themes aren't just like CSS. The themes actually have plugins in them too. And so you can have vulnerabilities and flaws and quirks in any of those. And if there's any little thing that goes wrong, the whole server goes crazy. It, so it's it's tough. It's like you started with a base of Legos. You threw in some mega blocks. And then all of a sudden you put an erector set on top of it and then went, that's stable. It's like when you're playing <laughs> with Transformers stable. and a kid brings over GoBots. Yeah. GoBots. What, what are you doing they? here? What the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> beat him up. <laughs> he beat him up. Beat him up. Yeah. Exactly. I'm That's joking. Uh, everything. No, yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. Just, I was that kid. I'm allowed to say that. You were uh, the kid bringing the GoBots? Yeah, I was like, look uh, at the... <laughs> Why are you throwing this at me? I like it's tribalism over <laughs> sticking GoBots versus Transformers. Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Yeah. What are you, you poor Justin? Oh, but? we're going to hit you with these sticks. I don't know. Horrible I don't accent think for Justin him. hung out with anyone with an accent like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. You'd be surprised. How do you know? Yeah. You're always talking like you know him. Yeah. Well, you know, now, now we know like you with, yeah. with, with a sock full of go bots. <laughs> <laughs> it's just parts from the ones you've picked yeah. up and kids throwing yeah. them. These are the go bots that about took out my eye. And I kept yeah. them around all these years <laughs> and I put them in a tube sock. <laughs> Man, <laughs> when, I, when I see that kid again, uh, the people at WordPress are going, Oh, God, help us. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just happy we're not talking about them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, move on from our. Our utter failure and uh, and focus on GoBots. All right, well, we've got a lot of stuff going on, but something that is coming up uh, in under a month, Thursday, October 1st, is The Hangover, the enterprise IT post-COVID uh, panel that uh, Don is going to be on. It's going to be moderated by Leo Laporte, and we've also got uh, Steve Gibson on it and Amy Webb, who is a, a futurist and an author. Um, so really great panel, um, and looking forward to that. If you want to head over to go.itpro.tv slash the-hangover, and uh, that's a, a fun one to say, uh, then you can find out all the info about that and add it to your calendar. But it's, uh, like I said, Thursday, October 1st, um, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 Pacific, 10 GMT. So, Don, you excited about that one? 
Yeah, it should be a good time. I think I'm the uh, I'm the out of place person on the panel, uh, so I'm excited to get in and have a good conversation with with everybody. Well, the great thing about a panel is you don't really have to prepare. Don's just ready to personally attack everyone. That's <laughs> yeah. right. I got to make my name. You got to slander everybody on the panel. It's yeah, like you, when it's you like, get thrown in prison, right? Yeah. You got you to take out somebody. Who, yeah. You, yeah. You yeah. Who's say the biggest that if fish? You knew in what there. you were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you go right up to Leo. Sounds like something Hitler would say. <laughs> borrow Justin's sock of GoBots. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. now we're. I yeah. tell you what, I'm about to set up a fake page. <laughs> <laughs> Sockagobots.com. It's, it's got to be available. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of my stuff was, but that one. That <laughs> Just make sure you. Have you ever wanted to defend yourself with old 80s toys? <laughs> well, because you look at supply and demand, you're like, I've got all these GoBots. Uh, yeah. And I got a bunch there. of socks. And I've got socks. <laughs> These are two things that nobody wants anymore. <laughs> My old socks and GoBots. Uh, all right. Also, we've got a free weekend coming up at IT Pro TV on September 19th or 20th, and it is uh, Cloud Weekend because uh, that's what we're focusing on this month. So we've got Google Cloud Platform Associate, um, uh, AWS, uh, Solutions Architect, Microsoft AZ-104, and Linux Essentials, so you can know how to actually manage those servers. That's all uh, going to be free that weekend, September 19th through 20th. So um, just head over to itpro.tv and uh, sign up for a free membership, and you've got access that weekend. And uh, watch as much content as you want, get certified, go nuts, and then you'll be back. I mean, I mean that's, <laughs> that's the plan. Uh, and if you are, uh, head over then to go.itpro.tv slash technado so you can get a coupon code for 30% off your uh, personal subscription for the lifetime of your account. You can also request a demo for your team and uh, see all the cool features available to teams at uh, itpro.tv at go.itpro.tv slash technado. And finally, uh, we have a webinar coming up uh, September 17th, which is the day that this podcast goes out uh, so check it out it is the buzz about intent-based networking uh, with Ronnie Wong talking about that with Justin Dennison is going to be uh, joining him there so that's uh, Thursday September 17th 2 p.m. Eastern time you can register at itpro.tv slash webinars and if you're listening to this after that time uh, don't worry you can still go and watch on demand along with all of the other uh, IT Pro TV webinars on demand as well um, over at itpro.tv slash webinars and that is enough promoting uh, for the day. Very good. You should uh, consider a career in marketing. I, I should. What yeah. are we talking about again? <laughs> I think he said something about uh, Peter being a part of a uh, vampires. Oh, blood uh, yes. A cult of vampires. Yeah. We're, Weird. We're horrible people. A.K.A. marketing. Yeah. <laughs> A.K.A. marketing. <laughs> I don't know how I look myself in the mirror, but I, I can't see myself. No, yeah. no wonder you got that beard. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I do? I have no idea. Yeah. Surprised the camera picks me up. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for watching again. Thank you to Corey Thune uh, for joining us and telling us all about Gravwell. Uh, and thank you to all of you gentlemen for putting it up with us and, uh, and you at home. But we will see you next time on Technado with Don Pizzette.